Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Happy Easter. I want to add my uh, hellos and my welcomes to everybody here. Certainly, if you're streaming the service from somewhere, we welcome you. If you're podcasting later, if you're in the room, you're a guest, you're a partner, just welcome, welcome. We're honored to have you. This is such an important day, right? And uh, it's good to be together in God's house. And it is an important day, right? Because this is the day that distinguishes the Christian experience from every other religion on the planet because we didn't gather, newsflash, we didn't gather to pay homage to a dead religious figure. Four four amens in the room, I'm on fire. Okay? We didn't gather to do that. We're not celebrating a dead religion in this space, right? We're here this morning because we believe that Jesus Christ has literally come out of the grave and he has given us victory over sin and death in the grave. Someone say amen to that. Praise God. So uh, I told all of our campus pastors this weekend, I said, um, I want to preach from Mark's gospel because Mark's gospel, I think like none other, um, reflects on Easter Sunday the tension between maybe what we experience, listen to me very carefully, what we experience and what is possible. It's the difference between those two realities. And uh, I don't know about you, I'm a lover of history. Any history lovers in the room? Let me see your hands. There are many of us, great. And uh, let me bring everybody up to the same speed and get us all on the same page because we're gonna turn to this important gospel in just a moment. Here's what I would want you to know. Number one, think about this. Mark's gospel, scholars believe, is the oldest gospel. So of the four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark's is the oldest one. Mark's gospel, uh, we would know this about Mark, he's not one of the apostles. He's not one of the 12 But he had a very good friend that you might be familiar with. His good friend's name was Cephas, who translated for us this morning is Peter. So um, Mark's gospel, most scholars believe, are really the the crib notes, uh, the, 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 the highlights, the notes, the eyewitness accounts of the apostle Peter. So when you read Mark's gospel, you're hearing Peter. You should hear his voice. Mark's gospel is different because um, it doesn't start with uh, Jesus' birth. It starts with Jesus' baptism. And right after the baptism, it's like go time. And throughout the rest of the gospel, Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing. And we get this really deep insight into all of that ministry. But here's an incredible thing that Mark's gospel offers that we can't find necessarily as close in the other gospels. Mark's gospel has this incredible empathy and affection and attention to every single person who is just outside of the Christian experience. So here's what I want to say. We're going to do this in real time today. If you're here and you're not sure, if you're here and you wonder, if, if you're here 
and you have doubts or questions, or maybe you're here today just out of, you know, this is the religious tradition. This is sort of what we do. Mark's gospel is for you. And I want to just say very, very carefully and very authentically, that used to be me. I was on the outside and I had question and I had doubt. And Mark's gospel became uh, for me really uh, a, a moment that helped me span the difference between what I'm experiencing and what is possible. So I'm going to take us to the gospel. We're going to read um, his account. And then I'm going to take us over to uh, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians. And Paul just offers a a three-verse observation, if you will, about what uh, we're going to read in Mark's gospel. And uh, we have established a tradition here at Community of Hope. When we read God's word, uh, we stand in honor of God's word. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And we're just going to do this. This is really for those of us... um, who are followers of Jesus, it's just kind of a posture that we're saying, you know, Lord, um, we're not here to to hear from the skinny but very good-looking preacher. (laughs) Sorry, can't make that up. Um, we're, We're here because we need to hear from you. And so out of that posture, I want to read to us Mark's gospel, beginning in chapter 15, verse 42. So here's what it says. So it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath. And so as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate to ask for Jesus' body. Now Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body then over to Joseph. He made permission for that. And so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in linen, and placed it in a tomb, sometimes translated a cave, cut out of a rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. Now when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go now and anoint Jesus' body in very early Uh, On the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they were asking one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting there on the side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. Don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him? Go and tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee and there you will see him just as he told you. And so trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 16, Paul says this, hear it very carefully. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. And then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, well, they're lost. For if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most 
to be pitied. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. You know, Lord Jesus, before we sit, we just want to say, you know, like the hymn writer said, when he wrote, joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God. In this moment, we would say, God of glory, Lord of love. And God, would you, by the power of your spirit, make our hearts unfold like flowers before the opening to the sun above. God, in this space, would you, like none other, would you melt the clouds of sin and sadness? Would you drive the dark of doubt away? And God, the giver of immortal gladness, fill us with the light of this holy day. For we pray in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. You could catch a seat. Uh, So a while back, um, I left uh, my house, which is about eight minutes from here, uh, to drive over to State Road 7. I had to run some errands. And for those of us that live out in the Western communities, of course, State Road 7 is kind of the place where we go to get a lot of that kind of work done. So I left the house and drove over to State Road 7 and uh, ran the errands. And then when I was through with all of that activity, there's always a moment when you do that and the traffic's so crazy right now around our town that you go, why did I even leave the house, right? Anybody ever think that? And, uh, and so, you know, I was through with all the errands and I, and I was coming, uh, driving north down State Road 7 and I turned into the intersection at State Road 7 and Southern Boulevard to make the left-hand turn, go under the overpass, head west and come back into our neck of the woods. And I pulled up behind this car filled with bumper stickers. You ever, you ever done that, pulled up? How many of y'all uh, have bumper stickers on your car? How many of you have more than's probably appropriate to have on your car? All right. And, and this, this person had just bumper stickers all uh, over their car. And, and I think it's part of our culture in a way. It's, it's a way that we um, make a statement about ourselves. Maybe we, you know, are, are uh, identifying with a tribe that we're connected to or making a statement about our life and this sort of thing. And I was thinking about this because at Community of Hope, when you take our partnership class, we give you a bumper sticker to put on your car. And so we're kind of falling, you know, into that sort of rhythm and into, into that sort of thing that's really caught on in our culture. It reminds me of a time I was over on Okeechobee Boulevard and I was driving uh, east out toward the beach and this car came whipping in front of me, driving like an absolute maniac. And then I put, they pulled up in front of me. I, I put on the brakes. We got to the light. And I looked up, and there in front of me is a car with a Community of Hope bumper sticker. <laughs> I'm always in that moment, you know. There it is. I'm always in that moment, you know. I want to I wanna peel the bumper sticker off and put another church bumper sticker on instead. And uh, I was so like, gosh, this was so crazy. I, there it is. I was like, wow. And so when they left, I tried to take a picture of the person to identify him. I did take it. You can't really see much. Um, doesn't, doesn't recognize anybody I know. Everything about the story is true except that last part. I made that up. So I pull up behind this car. here, all these bumper stickers and right in the middle... Of, of the car is this bumper sticker. 
Life is hard, then you die. In fact, to be honest, it didn't say life is hard. It said life stinks and then you die. To be even more honest, (laughs) it didn't say life stinks. It said something else, which Beth said I cannot say on Easter Sunday. (laughs) But you get the idea. And and when I read this, um, there's a part of it that feels true. Life is hard, and then you die. Uh, one of my favorite authors is a guy that I read from. His name is John Eldridge. And uh, John Eldridge makes an interesting observation about life right now. And he said, not only life is hard, but then he goes on to say this. He goes, look, we're all running like rats on a wheel before 2020 in the pandemic. We were overly addicted to technology, overwhelmed by global news, wrung out from social tensions, exhausted in body from the madness of modern life. Look else what he says. And then with the pandemic comes the repeated cycles of fear and control and chronic disappointment. All the losses, great and small, it's throttled our capacity for living. Now, here's what I know about you because I know this about me. And in the last season of our lives, it feels like our capacity for living is a little throttled. Uh, I have friends of mine who are younger and, you know, they've gone through the weirdest season ever in school. Some, some are here this morning, of course, and we have folks that are navigating major decisions and all of this turmoil. As a, as a leader of a church, I try to work on my leadership. I was reading recently by, from a guy by the name of Ron Heifetz, and this is what he says. He says, leadership in any setting right now is the art, listen to this, the art of learning how to disappoint people at a rate they can withstand. <laughs> Yay. Everybody wants to sign up for that. But those who study this particular era of our collective history, this is what they say right now. We've seen precipitous rises in mental health issues. Depression and anxiety is off the scale. Uh, Suicide is up. Studies are being carried out to get to the deeper cause of just why it is that all of this is going on. This is true, and this is where we find ourselves. And here's what I want you to know this morning. This is where that small group of people uh, living in the circumference of Jesus, it's exactly what they felt. Mark's gospel shows the great divide between what they knew in their experience and what was possible. And this is what I'm praying. Everybody, whether you're listening online, whether you're in this room right now, let's just stop for a moment. I mean, you have, you have honored God with your time to be here. Let's give our full attention to consider how they felt and how we feel and maybe what's possible. When I think about um, what the disciples had to go through, I would say they would say life is hard. Uh, first of all, you, you have the women 
and the and the women um, were um, you know had all this hope in Jesus coming as a Messiah. Their lives had been radically transformed by the message that he brings. And then he gets to Jerusalem and he's betrayed into the hands of sinful men and he's put on a cross. And so every single thing that they had had hoped for and had begun to see just seemed to come crashing down around them. And it felt, it felt like death. And then you have the disciples. The disciples had given up everything to follow Jesus. I mean, they, they had wagered the bet of all bets. And then in a moment of tragedy and darkness, it looked like all bets were off. And, and, and then, and then um, it's interesting, if you look at uh, the text very carefully and you notice what's there, and if you're a good reader, you can begin to notice what's not there, and it's the mention of Peter. Peter wasn't even there because um, in the moment when Jesus needed him the most. Peter betrayed his friend. And so if, if you're like me and, and, and you've learned to not only read what you see, but, but keep a little window open for maybe what, what's not there, you don't see Peter and then your mind real quickly goes, well, I know why we don't see Peter. He was literally filled with the shame of his betrayal of Jesus. I mean, in a moment, you remember the history. I don't even know who he is. So here's the deal, right? We can connect to that. Life is hard. And then you die. I read recently that um, one author said um, that death is like the 400-pound gorilla in the room. Always. It's the number one fear around the globe. You know what the number two fear is? The fear of public speaking. <laughs> Death and public speaking. I don't know. They're, they're kind of close. And, um, and here's what I want you to all to think with me about this morning. Um, it's very easy to see a bumper sticker like that and go, well, I mean, that's our collective lived experience. But here's what I want to remind everybody. That's Mark chapter 15. But there's Mark chapter 16. Our collective experience a lot as human beings is Mark chapter 15. But when we come to a moment like this, and this is why I still believe woven into somehow our religious culture. This is why we fill rooms up on Easter Sunday. I'm always tempted to remind everybody, we actually do this every seven days. <laughs> Just thought I wanted to say that. There, there's Mark chapter 16. And you know what Mark chapter 16 reminds us? It reminds us, everybody, of, of this. It reminds us that the worst thing 
is never the last thing. There it is. Some of you are here, and uh, you wonder about the worst thing. I, I know that in a room like this, right, uh, we, 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 bring, we bring everything we are into a room like this. Every single person has bring, is bringing something that feels like the worst thing. And when we come into an Easter service, we have the tension of what we experience and the tension of what is possible. And one Christian author, I think, just says it so well, and it's simply this. Easter reminds us that the worst thing is never the last thing. It's the next to the last thing. In fact, Frederick Beekner goes on and he gives us a wider understanding. He said, the resurrection of Jesus means the worst thing is never the last thing. For the last thing is the best thing. It's the power from on high that comes down into the world that wells up from the rock bottom worst of the world like a hidden spring. He says, can you believe it? The last thing, the best thing is laughing deep in the hearts of all those saints. Sometimes even in our hearts that we're terribly loved and forgiven, that we're healed and all is well. And so Easter is an invitation for every single one of us in this room. You can live Mark 15, or you can, in a moment of decision on this day, this holy day, live out of Mark 16. And this is what happened with that crowd. You get, get over to Mark 16 and all the women who are just, you know, dutifully doing what women did back in that culture, which I envision they'd done over and over and over again. Just let's just go anoint the spice, uh, get spices to anoint the body. You've got Joseph of Arimathea who was so, you know, um, transformed by the reality of Jesus' life and the reality of Jesus' words. I mean, here is this guy, this official, you know, high-capacity guy taking his cave, uh, scholars believe, his grave and, and giving it over to the grave of Jesus. Buys linen cloths, takes Jesus down. They would use the linen cloth to place it under his arms and and using the stations of the cross, lower the Savior down and to put him into the tomb. And all of a sudden, the tomb is empty. And so death, in a moment, shifts. This past week, I did what pastors do. I mean, this this part of what we do is such a small part of what we do. And this past week, I found myself um, three times uh, going over to hospice uh, to be with precious people in our church who are taking their last breaths before stepping into eternity. Um, I wear a bracelet as a reminder of a little boy who is my friend who we lost last year in a very difficult moment, of course, the worst moment for a family 
And I watched our church put our arms around this precious family and we just, we just grieved. And this is a reminder that I wear that what I do on a Sunday morning is important. Words matter. What you believe matters. And we feel that in this room because um, we know that, you know, we can have lots of opinions and we live in a world of opinions. But I got to just tell you, when the chips are down, what you believe matters. And so when we think about this, you know, I I love what my friend um, J.D. Walt says. And J.D. Walt is a, a, a friend of mine and an author, and he says this. He says, so what if the resurrection of Jesus actually creates a possibility of the after of the alternate reality just on the other side of any hopeless situation? We think we're on the way to grief of a grave, but what we're seeing maybe is the situation all wrong. What if the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just defeat death? What if it reverses it? In other words... Where sin and death once ruled, love and life would rule and reign again. And it would mean then that no situation or scenario would be too difficult for God. Nothing would be possible. This is that moment for us. So we think about the the, the women, we think about Joseph of Arimathea, and they were given an opportunity to hope again. When we started Community of Hope, uh, so many years ago, uh, when Beth and I felt a specific calling to move to Palm Beach County, begin a church, there was never any way that we were going to name our church it ha- anything other than it had to have hope in its name. Because I've just seen the power of Jesus enter into scenarios in people's lives where it is the worst thing, where it is the worst moment. And all of a sudden, because of what Jesus has done, hope springs alive. I came home one afternoon, I told Beth, I said, you know what I want to do? I've got an idea. I said, when we we got the property, we're going to build the building. I said, I want to put a fountain out there. And I want the fountain to have water coming out of it. And I'm, you know, she's looking at me like I lost my mind. And I said, no, no. I said, really? Because when people pull onto this property, I'd found this verse in Romans chapter 15, that 13, that says this, and now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I said, so many people in our community need hope. And then what about the disciples? The disciples, they were given an opportunity, and Julie Jesus had it up there just right a moment ago. They were given an opportunity to believe again. They weren't at the cross. Why? They weren't at the cross because they thought everything they'd put their hope in wasn't true. Like what was happening? It's falling apart. And then you get to Mark chapter 16, verse 7 a, I think it is, right? And it says, the angel says to the women, go tell his disciples. And then, y'all, this is maybe the, the reason I just love Mark's gospel so much, is that the entirety of that verse adds another invitation. Go tell his disciples. Look at this. And Peter. I tell you what, whenever I read that, sometimes I put my own name in there. 
Go tell the disciples and Dale. Go tell the disciples and Beth, especially Beth. (laughs) But what about it? What about the disciples and Bob or Jill or Susan or Tim or Michelle? See, we all need to hear it. Here's, Here's Peter locked in shame and Jesus out of his kindness, right? Hey, go tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter was given an opportunity to start over. Don't you ever want to just start over? And and, and this is the message of Easter. You can start over. Jesus gives fresh starts. Uh, we, we, we added something into our marriage early on because we learned very quickly we're human beings. And every now and again, when we get into a, let me just say, a difference of opinion, <laughs> sometimes we'll say to one another after the difference of opinion, do you want to just start over? And most of the time, Beth says, yes. Every now and again, she goes, ask me tomorrow. No, she, she doesn't. Um, I want to go right at it. If you need hope, the resurrection's for you. If you need belief and you need faith, the resurrection's for you. If you need a do-over, the resurrection's for you. All you got to do is ask. I want to close our time. We're going to sing one more song, but before we do, I'm going to invite you to do what we do as sometimes at Community of Hope here as a natural rhythm. Now, here's what I would suggest. If you don't mean it, don't do it. Take a pass. That's, that's really one of the values of our church. We're never going to force you to do anything. But, but, it, but if you're willing and you mean it, I'm going to invite you to just put your hands in an open position on your lap. Here's what I, here's what I tell you. It's a posture of willingness. It, it's saying, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to, my mind is willing and I'm going to let the posture of my body even say that I'm willing. And with every head bowed in this room, I, 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 want, you to, I want you to just in your mind's eye right now, Offer him the worst. Right now in this space, just say, Lord, this is the worst thing in my life right now, and I give it to you. Lord, all over this room, all over this um, online, Lord, this is a moment of confession for us. And so we come to you right now and we offer you the very essence of our humanity. And what I want you to envision, church, right now is that Jesus is gonna come and he's gonna take that from you. And he's gonna say deep into your soul, the worst thing isn't the last thing. And the last thing
is my defeat over sin and death and the grave. And God, I pray right now for every single person person listening to my voice as they have made their honest uh, prayer to you. I pray for any here who have never invited you into their lives, even to begin the journey to discover who you are. But I sense in this room and I sense online, people are doing that right now. And so God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make yourself real to them as they move forward in this journey of faith. That's where we begin. Lord, we're gonna begin right where we are. Would you do what only you can do in the strong and mighty name of Jesus and everybody said, amen. Hey, I wanna give you a warm invitation. Um, Beginning next week, uh, we're going to start a new series here at Community Hope. We're just calling the series Cave Time. And I want you to notice that uh, the, this passage we looked at today talked about the grave, which sometimes is translated cave. We're going to start a series next week, and we're going to be talking very openly and very honestly about how God, by the power of his spirit, meets us in the dark places of our lives, like death or anxiety or anger, or addiction, or betrayal and brokenness. And so I just want to say, I want to say without apology, if you're here and you have some experience with those dark caves, we're going to go right at how there's hope in Christ. Listen, what you believe about the way you think the world works matters make the right choice there is hope in Jesus Christ Lord Jesus I pray for my friends and I know that this is a moment for many here would you give us the capacity to believe to hope and to live again because of the power of the resurrection. For we pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Happy Easter. Go in his grace. We'll see you next weekend.